Hey Startup Nation and welcome back to the second episode of, of the Startup Life's special presentation for International Podcast Day. So I want to share with you another reason, reason number two, why I love podcasts. Look, podcast is one of those mediums where you can talk about anything and I do mean anything. You can talk about space, you can talk about movies, you can talk about bicycles, you can talk about fan theories and, and all types of things. The thing is, here at the Binge Podcast Network, we always say we want to do three things with podcasts. We want to inspire, inform, and entertain. And podcasts are a great medium to do exactly that. But one of the my favorite things to kind of hear podcasts about stuff like that is about food. When we have so many foodie blogs and foodpreneurs and stuff like that out there, the subject of food is great content to have on a podcast, which is why I'm very excited to have a special guest on this second episode for International Podcast Day. We brought in Justine Reichman of Next Gen Chef to kind of share her expertise and her advice for foodpreneurs uh, on the show. So I'm pretty sure you're tired of hearing me just talk. So let's get to Justine. Let's go this week on The Startup Life. That was, you know, wonderful. And I loved working in Mexico with them to create that program and that campaign. And then I returned back to California and I really wanted to continue the work, but I wanted to find a way to do it that would be meaningful in this community. All right, Startup Nation, so let's take flight with Justine Reichman, the founder of Next Gen Chef. The Startup Life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own look, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We got a big time guest in the building today. We got Justine Reichman of Next Gen Chef. How's it going, Justine? I'm well. Thank you for having me on here. I'm very excited to chat with you awesome. and to chat with your uh, audience here. Oh, let's do it. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation today? Totally. Okay. Awesome stuff. All right. As always, this is Dominic Lawson. This is the Startup Life Podcast, and it is powered by the Binge Podcast Network. So first things first, Justine, if I could, please tell us about your story and your path to entrepreneurship. Oh, my story, my path to entrepreneurship started as a little girl at the dining room table with my mother. Okay. <laughs> um, when I was a little girl, my mother started her own business at our dining room table and then later grew that to have more than 40 people um, working for her in the financial services industry, uh, locating lost heirs and dormant shareholders. And my father also was an entrepreneur. So I think that it was very much my environment and what I grew up and what I learned as I was, you know, uh, growing up. So when I got out of school and had my first few jobs, um, I always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I always wanted, I was always creating and 
finding things that I wanted to fix and ideas that I was that were brewing in my mind. And so I, whether it was that I ran a gaming company or that I came up with a network called Career Change Network 30 years ago for people in career transition, okay. I was at heart an entrepreneur. Um, and then a few years ago, my partner Tim and I moved to Mexico City um, for about a year and a half. Okay. And he was working for a client there, Interjet. And you know, being that I am an American, I couldn't really work in Mexico City, right? Right. Uh, legally, at least. Right. So right. I, <laughs> so one day I ran into this lovely gentleman, and I was having some trouble speaking in Spanish, and he quickly came to my rescue and started to help interpret for me and and let everybody know what I was trying to say. And I was literally just trying to ask him something, you know, silly. It was not a big deal, but to that end, I was not able to communicate it properly. So he asked me what I was doing there, and I basically said, oh, I'm here with Tim, and he's working, and I'm taking pictures because I'm a hobby photographer. And one thing led to another, and he's like, well, you know, you should meet with the company I work for. I work for the CMR group, and they have a foundation that provides organic seeds and education for, my, you know, for families that can't afford to grow their own food and eat healthfully. And so through this NGO that they partner with, they get the access to these seeds and the education to grow their own vegetables that are organic, to have some for them and have uh, have some to sell at enough leftover to eat and make it so that they're sustaining their own life, right? By right. selling it, they make right. the money to be able to afford it. So self-sustaining. And so when I went there, I was really inspired um, it took us like two or three cars to get there. It was three hours away. Wow. We had to go. We saw donkeys. We went in a pickup truck. I switched from heels to, you know, boots. Um, and I was welcomed with, so graciously, I might add, uh, open arms and invited into these people's homes where they cooked meals for me. They cooked, you know, tacos and quesadillas and all sorts of things um, that they made on their stove with their fresh organic produce that they grew and you would look around these houses and they were very minimal but they were kept meticulously people with such pride and honor um, everything they say cooked for you they wanted to make sure you loved it um, and they invited me into their homes and their gardens introduced me to their children and I snapped some photos and took a lot of photos uh, for the foundation which is what sort of prompted this whole thing because they loved the photos I had taken and I specialize on taking faces and and so I did that and as I was there enjoying the food and meeting the people and taking pictures um, some children there had never even been on the other side of a camera when I was taking pictures they were like whoa they didn't understand it when I would show them it on the back of the SLR right where you could see the image they didn't get it it took them 10 minutes but once they figured it out they were hamming it up um, and so we use those pictures uh, for the foundation and to do some advertising and promotions around this to gain interest and brand awareness for what they were doing and to get more people to support the initiative. And I, because I love the food and the people so much, I said, I have an idea. Let's mm -hmm. do a recipe contest and um, let's have everybody submit a recipe. And I know a top chef in Mexico City, he, his name is Maycall. He has a restaurant called Hussets. Right. And he actually helped open all the Jean-Georges restaurants in New York. So he and I connected 
over that with my limited Spanish and being from New York. It's, it was a great way for him and I to connect and then ultimately form our own relationship, you know, friendship right. um, over that. And so he's like, I'll be the judge and he'll put the menu, he'll put the, I, you know, the menu on his, he'll put the recipe on his menu. Sorry. Um, and our goal is to donate back a portion of proceeds to, to these families. And then we designed bags with the picture of the kids on them and the recipe on there okay. so that hopefully that they could be sold in Mexico City to provide another resource for revenue for these families. Um, and so that was, you know, wonderful. And I loved working in Mexico with them to create that program and that campaign. Um, and then I returned back to California and I really wanted to continue the work, but I wanted to find a way to do it that would be meaningful in this community where I am and around the world and around the United States, not, not focusing only on those that don't have any resources, but maybe those in the middle, that portion of people that do have some resources but don't have a lot of information um, and can't necessarily always afford the most expensive good quality food because it's very expensive. It is. So I launched our first iteration of Next Gen Chef, which was Cooking Together, Cooking Together Marin. And we had a recipe contest um, and it was great. But what I learned was that we had a lot of hobbyists. Hmm. So I quickly pivoted when I learned that because it's great to have hobbyists, but I really wanted to have an impact that would change people's access to healthy food. And in order to support food businesses to create local, healthy, affordable, regenerative food businesses, I really had to focus on people that were creating products, businesses, restaurants, innovations, um, that maybe they were a chef and didn't have the business acumen, or maybe they were a business person and you know had a great idea but didn't know how to cook it. So I came up with Next Gen Chef, which is an association and a platform for foodpreneurs that want to create low or focus on creating local, healthy, affordable, regenerative food. You don't necessarily have to meet all of those requirements, but at least two is useful. And the association and the platform gives these foodpreneurs access to mentors with different skill sets that they would not otherwise have. People that can help them scale their business, people that can help them with funding, people that can help them with legal questions. Right. It's just, it's, it's a foundation that they would not otherwise have to give them the direction to be able to grow. Many times startups just don't have the access to that kind of talent. So we've handpicked, cherry-picked key people with experience uh, growing businesses on a holistic level. And our focus is that we create a group of mentors that allow these people to think holistically. So that's why we have a food scientist and a registered dietitian and also a VC person, because it's not just about funding a scalable business or helping us, um, you know, any food business. It's about making healthy food more accessible. Gotcha. And so now we launched that last fall. Uh, we've changed it. We've launched our membership. We, you know, in the first month grew 80 percent on our membership, which was a manual membership. So as a result, we've pivoted now and are launching a platform in the next few months to come, which will allow us to cast a bit of a broader audience, taking on more um, virtual members as well as local members. 
and allow people to have many more resources that are just not possible when you're doing everything manually. We just don't have the resources to be able to support that. Gotcha. So does that give you a little bit about the journey? No, it absolutely does. And I appreciate that. And I love that you mentioned uh, Next Gen Chef and the, the kind of the initiatives that you're kind of bringing forth. And Stonimation, if that's something that's of interest of you, Go to the show notes. We have a link to Next Gen Chef. The link is in the show notes for easy access. And so you can connect with Justine and all of these amazing mentors. And we'll actually dive deeper into Next Gen Chef uh, later on in the show. But I appreciate all of that, Justine, for sure. Oh, my pleasure. No worries. So I know you're based in San Francisco. So tell us a little bit about the restaurant foodpreneur space there in San Francisco. Um, you know, there's a lot of new people are on the cutting edge here at food. There is a lot of access in San Francisco um, mm-hmm. and the Bay Area to great food, inventive foods. I think for the most part, it's expensive uh, for a lot of people, but it's good, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I'm from New York originally, and it's a very different food scene here from my perspective. Um, one thing is I live in Marin. And Marin does not have a huge amount of access to inventive new restaurants. Um, We do have access to good quality produce. We have good access to uh, good, you know, good food. Um, But it's super expensive and inaccessible for those that cannot afford it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the food, you know, you can go to the East Bay and have great new restaurants and you can go to San Francisco and I'm always reading about the next Mexican place or, you know, a new Cambodian place that's been, that got a James Beard Award in the East Bay. And there's a lot of great food. But the one difference that I see between here and New York, being that I am a longtime New Yorker, is that in New York, you also have access to more affordable uh, restaurants, but still the products are still expensive. Mm. Um, There's just, you know, it's just, I guess, a bigger space to, um, you know, give you more options. Uh, but products are still expensive, but there is a lot of access to good quality foods. It's just about making them a little bit more affordable for the masses. And that's where Next Gen Chef comes in. And we are hoping to be part of that, the next generation of chefs and food foodpreneurs. So that when they're thinking about building their business, they're not just thinking about creating the next product, but they're thinking about the impact it has for them for their well-being, everybody else's well-being, the future of the planet. And if they make the right choices, it enables other people to make the right choices when they're buying the product. So by making it more affordable, they're making it more accessible. So hopefully it will benefit the individual, the community, and the planet. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, I, I want to ask you this. This is actually uh, my next question. Because I was on LinkedIn and I saw that you posted an article uh, a while back about Jody Levy, who has a phenomenal story when it comes to watermelon and stuff like that. I think she was trying to use watermelons or the the leftover part of the watermelon to use for like biofuel. But when the science didn't work out, she repurposed it elsewhere. But that got me to thinking, because when we talk about foodpreneurs, we're not just necessarily talking about just people who serve the consumer based food. We're also talking about the way they kind of repurpose things where you have some, you know, one of the famous ones is like the people who use the grease to power car, the cooking grease to power cars and stuff like that. Or uh, somebody we had on the show a while back 
uh, Dr. Rodriguez, who uses honey for uh, medicinal purposes, right? He actually uh, opened a, a biotech firm called Sweet Bio. Uh, to where he he actually just got FDA approved and the patent and the, basically the prime of the business is using honey to uh, heal uh, dental infections and stuff like that. So I guess with all of that being said, I want to know, Justine, what are some of the most interesting repurposes of food that you have seen? Gosh, you know, there's so many different things. Um, I mean, I think that I love the one that you just mentioned about the honey and the and the teeth. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I have to read amazing, more about that. It's amazing business. It's actually based here in Memphis, Tennessee. It's an amazing business. Really good friends of mine, by the way. What what kind of honey is that? I'm just curious. Is it manuka honey? What is? Don't that? don't get me to lying. That is far beyond my level of of expertise. <laughs> but I can definitely find out for you for sure. I would love that. I'm terrified of the dentist. Gotcha. <laughs> so any <laughs> any other options I can use to avoid going and hearing that drill, For I'm sure. in. For sure. Um, but so there's a lot. I mean, I haven't heard of something like that, but there are a lot of different ways that people are repurposing um, products. I mean, even down to uh, beer byproduct, right? And mm. using that for flour. Wow. That's amazing, right? Absolutely. Because nobody's using it. And what a waste. And so there you have something that provides protein and fiber and all sorts of things. And actually, when it's put into something, it has really good taste. So that company is called Regrained. I don't know if you're familiar with them. And they make Regrained bars. Okay. But it's more than the bars. It's that they have this flour that they can use to make so many other things. And it's really just the byproduct of beer. Wow, that's crazy. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it, it makes me think of just how entrepreneurs are always, you know, not you know, single minded in the sense of like always thinking about multi purposes of, you know, whether it be food or whatever they, you know, uh, resources that they have. So I appreciate you sharing that about regrain for sure. So I, I wanted to ask you about this as well, because in the food space as well, you know, we're we're actually kind of going through a change or have been going through a change for the past couple of years on the way we get food. Uh, you know, when we think about companies like Brew, Blue Apron or Freshly come to mind, or even just in the delivery space with Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats, stuff like that. How do you feel about the way that we get food now as the consumer? And what should foodpreneurs in your mind keep in mind as, as this, you know, the way we get food continues to change? Wow. You know, it's interesting because Uber and DoorDash are quite new, right, in the last few years to get right. food as a way. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, as you know, I grew up in New York and we've been having delivery since I could pick up the phone. For sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know? so, but I think that the one of the things that I think about when I do delivery is the way that we consume our food. Mm -hmm. And the way that we consume our food also goes to our health. Because for everything I've read says that how you eat your food, where you eat your food, all contributes to how you digest your food and how you feel when you're eating it. And I think that, it, you know, because we've gotten so, because we have these new access, we have access to these new ways of getting things, it takes away from the preparation. It takes away from knowing what's in our food. Mm. Um, and I think we have to be more mindful about it from what we eat to how we eat. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. I think that's important. Uh, and, and that's actually 
they, you know, something we was talking about offline about, you know, the end consumer perspective, you know, as you, you know, do the work that you do at Next Gen Chef and, and trying to help foodpreneurs uh, understand, you know, how to scale their businesses and stuff like that. But you also have the mission of trying to make not just affordable, healthy food choices, but also help the consumer be mindful of the food they put in their body. Kind of talk a little bit more about, about that, if you would, Justine. Okay, I'd be happy to. I think that many times, and it's unfortunate, we're driven by price mm. um, because we have to be. Right. Life is expensive. We have people have kids. There's college. I heard the other day that it's going to cost something like seven hundred thousand dollars in fifteen years to send your kid to college for four years, all in. Right. I mean, right. So I think we are driven by price a lot of times, and I think that you know now more than ever it's a privilege to be able to think about the ingredients and what you're buying, but. If, they, if we can have new access to new innovations, like something, and I'll tell you more about it, ends and stems, something like that, that will allow us to think about what we're purchasing so that we could utilize everything that we are buying so there's less waste, we'd actually be spending less money and be eating better. Mm. Does that make sense? No, that makes complete so, sense. <laughs> yeah, so ends and stems, just to tell you, is an app where it's a chef who gives you who gives you access to recipes and she gives you the shopping list and the shopping list enables you to make x number of recipes so that there is limited waste. So if you have less waste, you can and you're buying better products while you might be spending a little bit more on the better products, you're mm-hmm. actually spending less or maybe the same amount because you're wasting less food and eating healthier. Right. Right. Thank you for sharing that. I want to take a step back. Yeah. I want to take a step back just for a little bit, Justine. Uh, tell me about the, what did you learn from your biggest failure? What did I learn from my biggest failure? Mm-hmm. Uh, my biggest failure taught me to be patient and it taught me to listen and gain expertise from other people other than myself, because I can have a vision and I can have an idea, but I'm not going to know how to make all those moving parts or how to do each individual part. Um, so I've learned that I need to rely on some other people that have those expertise to be able to come through and make what I want happen. I don't have to know how to do it all. I just know how to have, to, I have to figure out how to resource it all. Right. Right. Thank you for sharing that. So, so yeah. And I, I think the other thing just to let you know that I, you know, learned is that, you know, with our experience, with year, with working, um, as we get older, we have more experiences. And I think part of that is really respecting that other people have more knowledge than I do and listening to them. Mm. Um, whereas in the past, maybe 10, 15, whatever, 20 years ago, I thought I knew it all. And yes. that creates problems because you don't actually have the advantage of other people's expertise. You're not listening to it. You're not including it, which can cause a lot of problems. Absolutely. That's one of the problems with us in our youth. Is it not? Yes, I think so. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Justine, if you would, tell me a little bit about North Bay Pretzels and the work you do there. Okay. So North Bay Pretzels is a startup that uh, was, you know, I, that we started uh, just recently 
<clears throat> and the idea behind that is that soft pretzels are really not, they're not a big thing here out in California. Um, and I grew up with them on the streets of New York in those little carts. And um, Ben, uh, one of the other co-founders, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's from Europe and remembers them and had very fond memories of them. And we, it was more just that we thought that the pretzels that you can get out there right now are not that great. The mm. products are not amazing. They are, there's nothing unique and regenerative about them. Um, and so together we collaborated and we're talking and building a pretzel company that will focus on being local. All the pretzels right now are coming across the country and they're not amazing. So why not create a pretzel that is locally made, locally sourced, locally made, and locally consumed from the salt to the dough to the product um, and creating something that's locally sourced. You then, you know, obviously you don't have all that travel and the packaging and all of that. Right. Um, and the other thing that we are working on is working with a company to use upcycled flour so that this, so that we're using similar to how Regrain made their bars the byproduct of beer, if that's what we use, um, to create these pretzels using a byproduct so that it is not just local, but it's also upcycled. So it's regenerative and it's taking a product that was going to be wasted and putting it in a product that's going to make it even better and accessible. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. I was actually going to ask a follow-up question about the importance of being locally sourced and stuff like that, but you already took it out of my mouth. So I appreciate it. We must be, <laughs> uh, we must be in cahoots uh, one another today. So I appreciate <laughs> that for sure. Uh, so uh, uh, no worries. I, I want to ask you this because I came across an interesting article in Entrepreneur Magazine. It came out last year and the name of the article is entitled Three Leverages available to the foodpreneur today. And I think it's, no, even though it's from last year, I think it's still relevant in 2019. I think that's fair to say. But um, Mm -hmm. the three things it mentioned was the the businesses being established, creative collaborations. But the one I wanted to ask you about is the opportunity to actually listen to customers. We talked earlier in our conversation, Justine, about uh, educating the marketplace about, you know, not just locally sourced foods, but also affordable and healthy foods. But as the foodpreneur, why is it important for them to also on the receiving end, listen to the customer uh, as far as, you know, as far as like what they need and stuff like that? And what should they be listening for in your opinion? Well, I think it's important for the end, for them to listen to the end consumer because they're the ones buying it. If, they, sure. if they're not interested in it, they're not going to buy it. And then they don't have a product to sell. So if I think, you know, if it's depending on the audience, they may, depending on who their audience is, they may want to focus on local or organic, or maybe organic is not what they need. And maybe it's just local, healthy, and affordable. There's that. a whole variety. Um, sure. But I think it's really important if you're creating a product to create a persona for who you imagine is going to be buying this product. And if you're creating that persona, you're going to then figure out who it is you're targeting. And by surveying them, whether it's after they bought it, while they're buying it, you're going to learn more about their decision-making process and what they put emphasis on. So they know, so you know what they're willing to spend money on. 
I mean, we do that with our membership even. Mm-hmm. Um, as we are growing and we are, our memberships are evolving and we have a different, we have different ones that we offer. We go back to our foodpreneurs. We go back to our mentors to see, you know, are we giving you what you want? Is there something that's not, that's on there that you don't need, that you don't utilize and you'd rather something else? Well, it's the same thing for food. Mm. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate you sharing all of that for sure. Because the, the, the thing I wanted to ask that because like, you know, obviously, you know, as entrepreneurs, no matter if you're in the food space, tech space and everything in between, you obviously need to listen to the end consumer, but not every entrepreneur does. And so I guess I just kind of wanted to get your take on that. It's always one of those things where it's so simple, but yet so hard. You know what I mean? It, it is. And, you know, is the question is, how many people are you serving? Right. <clears throat> and are you serving your audience? Are you just, you know, we all survey our friends and our family, but we actually need to survey the people that are not our friends and our family to get real genuine feedback. Somebody that does not have a vested interest, is not our friend, doesn't love us. <clears throat> that can give us some clear, concise, concrete feedback on whether it's taste, whether it's viability, whether it's scalability, whether it's uh, price, branding, etc. cetera. Right. And so for that reason, right. you know, we've developed our platform and we've, we give our food owners the opportunity to do that because that's one of the issues that they have in the very beginning is access to feedback. Mm. So with the membership to next gen chef, they get access to uh, participate in happy hours in lunches in all sorts of things that give them uh, an audience to try their food, to give feedback on taste, on price, on branding, et cetera, that they otherwise would not have had. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. Last question before we go to break. Entrepreneurs are always engaged in lifelong learning, always engaged in professional development, listening to podcasts, reading books, everything in between. What are you doing? What does professional development mean for you? And what are you learning now? Um, well, I am. Con- I constantly want to learn. I want to learn about other startups that have succeeded and failed. What's worked, what hasn't worked. Um, I'm constantly look- looking at organizations that can help support me in my growth, for le- in my ability to lead mm-hmm. um, and listen to what's working and what's not working for people. So for me, it's about how I can be a better leader it's how I can provide more support. Um, and it's constantly looking at examples as well as articles on other startups uh, and staying up to speed on what's going on in the food industry and how things are evolving so that I can share that insight with our members, our mentors, um, and the community. Gotcha. So I listen to some podcasts. I do some reading. I read a lot of articles that are posted through the people I've connected with on LinkedIn because they are like-minded and they all, there's always a new point of view to, to consider. And I really like that. It challenges me to really stay true to who I am and, and, and hone in more specifically on why I've made those choices. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How you like being on the startup life so far, Justine? I'm loving it. I love the conversation. I appreciate the thoughtful questions. I'm excited to come back and talk further. Awesome. Awesome. I started making so I hope you're getting great value from Justine's content, but we got to pay a few bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson. This is the Startup Life Podcast, and it is powered by the Binge Podcast Network.
business owner, the startup life reach is growing. Wouldn't you like your business to grow with it? Reach out to us to advertise on the startup life. You can reach us at 901-857-4818 or you can email me at dominic at askalsolutions.com. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, this is a great music to have break on, but wouldn't this break sound a lot better with the same music, but your business being advertised on it? All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So, Justine, if you would, please, ma'am, tell us all about Next Gen Chef and the fabulous work you're doing there. Oh, well, I always love this question. So thank <laughs> you for asking. Of course. Um, so Next Gen, <clears throat> Next Gen Chef is a platform and an association for people that want to create locally, local, healthy, affordable, regenerative food businesses. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a restaurant. It could be a product and it could be an innovation, like a tech innovation that makes healthy food more accessible. So there's a variety of ways that people fit into that. And our platform in its first iteration was very manual, but included access to dedicated text channels, if you will, for our foodpreneurs, our mentors, and then the community. Okay. In the next few months, we are launching a new platform where it really enables our membership to grow exponentially and serve a broader audience. Our membership, as it stands, if you look at it, is basically um, access to our mentors. It is mentoring. It is chat with them. It is access to uh, discounted um, discounted services and um, it gives you access to participating in events and showcasing your food and Absolutely. it allows you to um, to connect with other like-minded individuals and gain their experience so by accessing the network they get access to other foodpreneurs that have had different experiences maybe can give them insight so that they can can make that process a little bit easier for one another uh, we also put on events so when somebody joins our membership they get access to these events uh, sometimes we talk out. We bring in experts and mentors and we'll talk about food as medicine or we'll talk about the impact of the choices we make in food and the impact it has on the environment and our well-being. Um, and membership gives people access to these events. Some of them they get access to for free. Other times they get discounted tickets um, as well as access to our uh, direct access to our mentors, which has been curated to really support them in the growth of their business. So we have about four different memberships. We have the local networker, which is really just for those that want to go to events. We have the global mentor that uh, the global member that allows people to, that will access the online community. And I know I mentioned this online community that we're launching, mm -hmm. but to tell you a little bit about it, it will give people the opportunity to put up their profile, to go to a member directory and connect with other members and see who they are and read about them, as well as a mentor directory and see who they are. And then we'll have a partner directory. So the partners will list the different events that they have and their needs. So our members can sign up for these happy hours directly, taking us out of the equation, which allows us to give more opportunities and serve more members and give more opportunities to them directly. Um, and this way they can schedule them themselves without having to wait for us. And obviously that way we can serve many more members. 
So by joining the membership, they get access to a team of mentors that have a wide variety of uh, expertise. They get access to the online platform so they can schedule their own events. They can chat with one another. They can access the forums, uh, talk about whether it's co-packing or labeling, um, and connect with one another and make uh, recommendations. They can even collaborate in the platform, on the platform. Um, and our, we also have a membership for service providers, which will allow these service providers to access our men- membership and offer a discounted rate to startups. So this allows people that want to work with startups to have access and for them to mutually agree that they want to work together. And it gives them an opportunity to talk to our audience through our newsletter gives them blogging opportunities and speaking opportunities so that it makes everybody just a little bit more approachable. So they're, they're just not, they're not just a service provider. They're somebody that's active in the community. They're participating in their talks. They're sharing their point of view and they want to support these foodpreneurs on this mission. And they're a little bit different than the mentor because mentors give up to maybe four hours a month uh, in their service. And after four hours, then we have a revenue share model that allows them to make it a win-win for everyone. So that if I have a food business and I am finding amazing results with one of my mentors, but it's going to be more than four hours. And so therefore she's taking a much greater stake in what she's doing or he, that they they get a revenue share on what we make so that we both have skin in the game. They're giving up their time, but I'm giving up some revenue. And when I say me, I'm talking about the member. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it definitely speaks to the notion of having a little bit of skin in the game and not just being a one-sided venture. So I definitely understand that for sure. And once again, Startup Nation, if that's something that you're interested in, all my foodpreneurs out there in Startup Nation, check out the website in the show notes. We have it there for easy access and go through the process of the application. Speaking of the application, is it a very rigorous application or is it very easy? Take us through the application process. Next Gen Chef. We try to make, from the from the price point to the application, we try to make it very approachable. Okay. We want people to be serious. Of course. Um, because our membership is only going to be as valuable as the members in it. If they're not going to be active, It's not going to make it, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to add value to the membership just to have them there. It will add to the bottom line, maybe, for us. Right. We really want an active membership. We want people that are going to, that want to connect with each other, that want to be part of this movement on a local and global level. That's why we've created everything from a local networker to a global virtual membership Mm -hmm. so that we can support locally, local and global foodpreneurs that want to make healthy food more accessible and bridge that gap across the Atlantic and, you know, around and back again. For sure. For sure. Now you mentioned some events that you have and stuff like that. Tell us about the next gen chef summit that you had. I think you just had one recently, right? Oh no, we didn't have the summit recently. We had a cook-off and we okay, also a had a regenerative okay. food. Okay. No problem. The cook-off was a partnered event that we did and we partnered with another organization and excuse me. Doors. What we had was a um, a cookoff for the future of food, and we had traditional versus the future. Mm. So when we were talking about traditional, it was like kimchi and things that came from traditional wisdom. 
So we had somebody, we had different people that fell into that court category and cooked their food. And then we had people talking about the future of food um, and preparing food in that realm. And then we had two judges. We actually had the product development and chef from Regrained, um, Philip Sineski. And then we had a former uh, participant on Top Chef, uh, mm-hmm. Brandon Rosen, who was our other judge. Nice. They were both great. They both shared such great, thoughtful insight uh, and feedback as they tasted each dish, ultimately choosing a raw key lime pie, a raw vegan key lime pie. And one of the chefs was so impressed, and one of the judges was so impressed with it, uh, Brandon, he even asked for the recipe, which I think is a great compliment. We had about 80 people at this event. So not only the, not only did we have the cook-off, we had foodpreneurs in the world or in the industry that were creating a product that was either local, healthy, affordable, or regenerative that had tables and showcasing their products so that people could get to learn what's being done today. What are some of the new products being made out there that fall into these categories? Um, And we had companies like Nanogen and we had companies, we had a kombucha company and we had a company that makes things with, I think, crickets, um, a lot of new things that, you know, uh, replace proteins or act as as, uh, proteins uh, to um, cannabis infused uh, drinks, coffee, et cetera. Um, And so it was a great event. It was a success. We sold out. Um, The cook-off, you know, really showcased a variety of different chefs in different lights and allowed them to share their insight on the future of food and how things can be made in a, in a local, healthy, affordable way, which I always think is great, especially for the rest of the community, as well as for the other foodpreneurs that were there so that they could share their experience and what's working for them. Awesome. The other event that we had was the Regenerative Feast, which was just about a week and a half ago. Okay. And we we partnered and we had uh, we partnered with Sonder. Sonder is a co-living space, kind of like an Airbnb ish, not really, but yeah. more hotel-y. <clears throat> and um, we partnered with them and we used their space in the arch the former Archbishop's mansion. And we had a beautiful kitchen. And we were lucky enough to get Jeremy Nelson, who is a Michelin star chef who used to work at Lazy Bear and a variety of other really well-known places in the Bay Area uh, to come and cook the meal. And we created a uh, local, uh, regenerative, affordable meal and an experience Uh, for 25 people. It was completely sold out. And he created a beautiful meal that uh, highlighted some of the sponsors that that provided some of the local food that we used for different, um, different, um, what you call it, you know, the, the starters and the entrees, each one, each plate focused on one of our either foodpreneurs or mentors or local products. So one of our foodpreneurs, JC Fluger owns a bacon company and it is a sustainable bacon. It is our household favorite bacon. We love it. It comes in a big chunk. It's packaged sustainably down to the packaging and the label. And that was included in one of the starters that went around. We also included uh, cheese from one of our sponsors, who is Tuluma Farms. And one of our mentors, actually, Tamara Hicks, 
um, is a co-founder in that farm and provided the cheese that was used on the Levant toast with the the soft hot cheese on there with cherries on top. It was amazing, mouthwatering, I might even amazing. say. <laughs> um, and then you know, just to just to give. So what our goal was there was to incorporate these locally sourced products into the plates that Jeremy was creating, so that you too could see what you have access to and how the impact of what you choose can change. Um, what you're eating and what you have accessible and how to use what's locally, what's available locally so that you are using, you're not using things that are being passed, you know, sent here, flown here that are costing more. You're using what's here, what's locally sourced, making it more affordable and accessible. And you're using what's ripe right now. And that's the healthiest thing to do. So it made for a beautiful meal. We had, uh, he made zucchini soup, which is in season now. He made um, a watermelon salad with uh, tomatoes and um, cantaloupe, which is all in season and locally sourced. And then he made a duck leg with homemade uh, polenta, which was amazing. In my life, I've never seen polenta like this. It's a polenta-ish. He actually cut the corn off the cob, parboiled it, and then used butter. It was amazing. I bet it sounds amazing. It sounds delicious. Um, And so the... The idea of this dinner was really to pose questions to people and to create conversation and an environment for conversation where people could talk about their supply chain and what it looks like when they go to the grocery store and what what are some of the questions they ask themselves when they're making a choice on what they buy um, so that people could be, you know, share some of their points of view mm-hmm. and maybe walk away changing the way they do something to be regenerative or to think a little bit more in line with this, even if today they don't change that they put it as part of their, you know, their thinking process for the future. Cause all we can hope to do is create a little change so that down the road, people are a little bit more thoughtful about the choices that they make so that it impacts us uh, personally and on a global level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And once again, Startup Nation, Next Gen Chef, the website is in the show notes for easy access for sure. So, Justine, I want to ask you this, because, you know, sometimes memory is triggered by music or other things, and it's often triggered by food. So I I want to know, what's your best food memory? Oh, my best food memory. Mm -hmm. I have so many. I love food. (laughs) Some people... Some people eat to live. I live to eat. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, but I will say that while I've had tons of experiences around food and I've had lots of wonderful experiences going out to eat, my best experiences are in the home with family and friends celebrating holidays and making a meal. That. From going to the grocery store to cooking it in the house. To, pre- to preparing it for friends and families. Those are my best memories and my uh, favorite, my favorite ones. Gotcha. I, I guess I just wanted to highlight, you know, the importance of, you know, it, it sometimes it's not really just something that you eat to sustain life. It usually is a little bit more than that. And so that's kind of why I wanted to ask you that for sure. Thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. No worries. So I, I'm proud to ask you the toughest question on the show. Are you prepared? Okay, you're making okay. me nervous. I'm biting no, my nails. No, it's, it's, it's fine. I'm probably oversold. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's all good. So uh, we're going to play a little game. It's called One Has to Go. 
Okay. So basically I'm going to give you four options and whatever one you pick, like, you know, it'll, it'll go away forever. You, you can never have it again. Okay. And since we're talking about food, we're going to stick with the food. Are you ready? I am. Okay. So we have seafood, Italian, American soul food, and Mexican. Which one has to go? Oh my God. That's easy. That's okay. Easy. That's what easy. I'd get rid of Italian. Why? Why? So no pizza, no pasta, just, just. I'm okay with that. I don't really eat a whole lot of gluten. Ah, gotcha. But I, I grew up eating seafood. We, I grew up. My father had a boat, and I have such fond memories. And I look forward to my summers with seafood. I love soul food, and I. We lived in Mexico City. I love right. Mexican food. I have a new affinity after living in Mexico for Mexican food, and. The food also for me, for Mexican, reminds me of my time in Mexico, and that gives me joy. So it's more than just the food. It's what it means for me. Absolutely. And so if you look at each one of these foods, seafood reminds me of my time growing up on the East Coast with my parents and, you know, whether it was my mother or my father and, you know, eating lobsters and, and all those sorts of things and seafood and the corn and the whole thing and it. It's not just the experience of the food, but it's the the memory that I have around that and the experience around that. And um, so for each one of these, I think it's, it is the food, but it's also the memories that come along with it that make it so important for me and special for me. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Uh, I want to ask you this because you, you keep referencing, you know, uh, you know, being from New York and stuff like that. What's the difference between the food? scene or just a restaurant scene in New York versus San Francisco in your perspective? So in my perspective, well, first of all, I don't live in San Francisco. I live in Marin. I'm sorry. So the access, no, no, but I'm just saying, I didn't mean it like that. I meant that our access is just a little bit less. For sure. For sure. If you're comparing one city to another. Right. But, you know, San Francisco certainly has a lot of good food. Mm -hmm. Um, New York, you know, is a different time in my life as well. Okay, but um, you know, so that takes into you know you take that into account as well. Um, But I really enjoy the New York scene, the New York food scene. Uh, There's always something inventive. There's always something new coming up. Uh, You have everything from very affordable to very expensive. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned before, you know, I look at San Francisco. While there is a great food scene here and the quality of the produce, there's so much local locally that can be sourced. There's a lot of really great food, but I just, to me, it's not as varied in terms of price points. So I think that's the biggest difference right? for me because there really is a lot of amazing, great food here. A lot of innovation around it. A lot of very, you know, thoughtful, well-sourced food, which I don't, I haven't been in New York in the last few years, but when I was in New York, I never would see a menu full of grass-fed and organic like I do here in California. And that I find, you know, maybe that's the reason the food is so expensive here as well. Maybe it's the sourcing. Maybe in New York, it's not sourced the same way or it's not as prevalent, I should say. Gotcha. Uh, but not being from New York at this moment or not living in New York at this moment and having been back in a year, you know, I'd want to go investigate that and see, you know, how it's changed because I'm sure things have changed. And I wonder if the same things that became important here became important there. And so maybe that's completely, you know, changed the scene as well. Got you. Thank you for sharing that for sure. So, Justine, I believe all entrepreneurs have a superpower. What's yours and why? 
Oh, my superpower, I'm great at connecting. And somebody just actually said that to me the other day. No matter where you are, you connect and find somebody that, you know, is, is, it's like, it's your superpower. You just find the right people. You're thinking about it, they appear. Mm, I hear that. (laughs) So so that's, I was told that was my superpower the other day, um, Mm. that somehow I make it all come together. I mean, the day of our cook-off, last month that we had that same day we lost one of our judges and within an hour I had called somebody and gotten Brandon Rosen who was on Top Chef to to come and be the judge they're like how did you make that happen it's been an hour right (laughs) you didn't just fill you didn't just fill the spot you filled the spot with a great person and a great talent and somebody who was really excited about what we were doing so I think that is my superpower that, and I'd love to fix things. Gotcha. Just give me a problem. I'll fix it. <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair enough. Thank you for sharing that. So before I ask the last question, Justine, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the Startup Life podcast powered by the Bench Podcast Network. You gave amazing value that I really think foodpreneurs can really sink their teeth into, pun intended. So uh, I want to actually give the uh, the microphone over to you because there's a foodpreneur or entrepreneur out there that, that's either on the ropes. They're either afraid to start their business or they're, they're feel stuck and afraid to move forward. Give them some words of wisdom today. You just got to go for it. I mean, the, the biggest issue that people have is they don't necessarily know how to put one foot in front of the other. Surround yourself with people that can support you to be able to just believe and do the right work to figure out if it's the right, you know, idea and everything, but go for it. If you believe in it, get everyone to rally around you and just start doing your research. A lot of times people get caught up in the minutia of it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the process gets in our way. I'm not saying we should abandon process, but sometimes you got to just it's scrappy being an entrepreneur. Be scrappy. Gotcha. Be scrappy. Thank you for sharing that. And that's going to wrap up this session of the Startup Life. Justine, did you enjoy being on the show? I did. I really appreciated you having me. I appreciated your questions and the opportunity to share a little bit about Next Gen Chef and my philosophy. And I hope that if there are people out there, food tours out there listening, that if they found this interesting or they wanted to learn more, that they will reach out whether it's through email or, um, you know, our application online. Either way, we are very accessible and we want to hear from you. Absolutely. And once again, that link in the email address is in the show notes for easy access. All right, Startup Nation. So here's my final take. In this episode, Justine just reminds us that when it comes to being a foodie or a foodpreneur, there are so many avenues you can go in. It doesn't have to be just a restaurateur. Even if you're just being part of the culture and you're doing something with food, that makes you a foodpreneur. So Startup Nation, that should open up the possibilities, open up the opportunities to start your path to entrepreneurship. And if you need a little help, no worries. I'm here to announce that the Startup Life and Next Gen Chef has entered into a partnership to make some exclusive content just for foodpreneurs because one of the biggest entrepreneurial paths is the is the foodpreneur space and we want to provide that content for you so me and justine will be making some special content moving forward just for foodpreneurs you're welcome startup nation if you want to let us know what you think about the show have an idea for a show topic or like to advertise on our show please send us a message on the startup life podcast facebook page and while you are there like and follow our page as well it's a way for us to engage with you startup nation and really grow our community 
The link is here in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as can be now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or whatever your favorite platform to get your podcast on. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. Also, don't forget to sign up for the Startup Life All Access Pass to get exclusive content. This is exclusively on the Binge Podcast Network's Patreon page. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the Startup Life. Hey, Startup Nation, where are you going? That was only episode two for International Podcast Day. You ready for another one? Here's a sneak peek. So that's one thing that you also want to you want to make sure that you have, but you also want to make sure you have it on the personal side too, because also if you're a sole proprietor and you don't have that corporation or LLC protecting you, you are also going to be open <laughs> to a liability towards your business if you're in your personal vehicle and the same thing takes place and occurs. So Startup Nation, we bring in the insurance guru, Vixkias Faith Moore, as she shares with us the importance of having insurance and having that peace of mind on your path to entrepreneurship. And it's a very special takeover episode of the Startup Life podcast. So, hey, I'll talk to you in a few hours. Until then, get back to work. You got a company to grow.